From interviews and investing to careers and credit, we've got you covered. Wallet Watch is a podcast brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. We'll be interviewing industry experts, sharing personal stories, and even playing some fun games, delivering financial topics in a fun and interesting way. I'm one of your hosts, Amanda. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Devante. We're so glad you're here. Hello, listeners, and thank you for joining us today. Sticking with our theme of education and innovation, we wanted to highlight one of the credit union's close partners who are inspiring students to continue their education and make their dreams of success come true. So today we have with us Michelle Straz, the Executive Director of the Capital Area College Access Network. So thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. Thanks, it's fun to be with you today. Alrighty, so Michelle, to start off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you ended up where you are? Sure. Well, I am a lifelong Michigander, not a Ganian, I'm a Gander, um, <laughs> but my family moved out to Minnesota when I started high school and I decided I wanted to come back to Michigan, attended Michigan State, and then just stayed here in the area. I am a professional children's advocate working in nonprofits, um, primarily focused on children's policy across my career. Came to the College Access Network seven years ago to try and, and organize and lead and inspire our community to talk more about college attainment and, and how we can support our students. Awesome. Thank you, Michelle, for that. Can you tell us, our, our listeners, a little bit about CAPCAN, what that is? what they do. So the Capital Area College Access Network, or CAPCAN as we call it, has been around for uh, about 12 years. We got our start when the Lansing Hope and Promise scholarships were being developed and um, my counterparts uh, worked in our Lansing School District high schools to support students to understand the college going process. And uh, I was brought in seven years ago to scale the work that we do across Ingham County. So we primarily are a network that's dedicated to increasing post-secondary attainment. And we have a board of directors that includes folks from business and industry, nonprofits, government, K-12 and higher education. And we all work together to not only uh, create a college going culture, which we'll talk about more in a minute, but to really look at the conditions and barriers and opportunities in our community to try and support our students, to make them college ready, to help them participate in college, and then of course to complete that degree or credential. And we wanna make sure that people understand that when we talk about college and post-secondary, we're basically interchangeable, but we're referring to any post-secondary degree or credential. So it could be a two-year or a four-year degree, a certificate, a license, um, even apprenticeship programs that have education beyond high school. So we want to make sure that students know that, that that's an important goal for them in our community and we are doing our best um, as a, a board and then as a community and our school partners to facilitate that for them. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear more about the different initiatives and the resources that you have. It, it really sounds like um, the organization is filling a gap for a need that the schools have and the community has as a whole. Kind of jumping in, so say that I, or if I had a child, 
they made the decision to pursue a post-secondary education. What are the next steps after that decision's been made? Sure. Well, first of all, let's talk about when that decision may be made, right? If we're doing this, I guess the best way possible, we are talking about post-secondary education early on in a child's life. Obviously, when babies are born and, and families are looking for gifts, you know, some of us give our, our favorite college gear, right? That might be one way that we support that. But I think more importantly, it's about what we talk about at the dinner table or what we talk about when we're driving in the car on the way to school. So we need to talk about what's appropriate for that child at whatever age and stage that they're at. So for little ones, for example, they like mascots, right? So when they see Sparty the mascot, they're gonna be excited about that. They may not want to approach him yet, but they definitely are excited about that. So that's an opportunity to talk about that's the college mascot for Michigan State University. And as your kids get a little older, there are lots of free events and opportunities on all of our campuses here in the region. So LCC, MSU, Davenport, to go and attend and explore the campus for free. You can go visit the fish in the koi pond over at LCC if you like fish, right? So that's a fun way to just make college seem sort of normal um, in your family life. As your child reaches middle school, I think it's really important to have conversations with them about the things that they're interested in and potentially doing as a career, as a job, and connecting the education that they will need in order to be successful. And that inspires them, of course, to stay in school, to understand the connection with the classes that they're taking while they're in middle and high school, and then know that that's, that's gonna be the pathway for them after they graduate from high school. And when you reach junior and senior year, we want to make sure that students get the opportunity to go and tour colleges. It's been obviously really hard with COVID for us to um, do that. Um, but I do know that all of our colleges right now in the area are accepting small family groups to do those kinds of tours. But normally during the school year, we work with um, college advisors in many of our high schools, and they will actually organize those college visits so that the, the students can go and talk to the admissions representatives, can check out different majors at those programs, see the sports facilities, that's something that students often want to see, see a dorm room, have lunch on campus, and truly understand a little bit more about the college going process. And then of course, senior year, when you really are making those decisions uh, in high school, we have certain deadlines that we want families to be aware of. So the first one is that the priority deadline for college applications is November 1st. And students can get help from their college advisor or their guidance counselor to help do that research and then complete those applications and then submit their essays if they have to do that. But more often than not, these days, a lot of the colleges are, are just having short answer questions that students are responding to. So. That's something to, to keep in mind. During the month of October, which is college month in the state of Michigan, we work in partnership with the Michigan College Access Network, our parent organization, and they have negotiated with many of the colleges and universities to offer uh, fee waivers. So students can apply to uh, any college in Michigan typically at some point during the month of October for free. So if, if that fee is a barrier for your family, we want to make sure that, that you know that that's something that we can help take care of for you. And then um, scholarships, those typically have deadlines all throughout the school year. 
So juniors and seniors can look for scholarships at any time and they can check out our website and social media and follow us and get those deadlines on a regular basis. So we encourage students to, you know, again, work with their um, college advisor or their guidance counselor to help support them to get more money for college. That is awesome, Michelle. And I'm thinking about my kids, Ava and Aiden, who are only three and five. And I really love how you suggested just those little ways to normalize continuing education and bring that into the conversation early. So even talking like with your kids about what do you want to be when you grow up? Setting that up, like someday you go to college or someday you obtain certifications or licensures or go to trade schools, like that just kind of sets that expectation that this is just what we do. And I, I know that I've practiced doing that early on with Ava and she's already explained like, yep, mama, when I go to college someday. <laughs> so I really do believe that that works. And I'm really excited to see how that changes for you all and the communities that we're supporting and seeing those attendance rates go up. So getting back to continuing education and applying to colleges, things like that. Uh, one of the things that comes up for a lot of students is the FAFSA. So what is your involvement with FAFSA and that entire completion process? Sure, sure. So for people who aren't aware, FAFSA is the free application for federal student aid. This is not on the test, right? <laughs> um, it opens on October 1st every year for students that will be applying to attend college in the fall of 2022. So the October 1st deadline this year is when that opens up. Um, we work in the community with our school partners and with other organizations to host FAFSA information sessions. I know you had an information session yesterday with one of my staff. So we can help students and their families understand the process and complete their form. Uh, one of the things that's really important for families to understand is that one parent and your senior needs to set up something called an FSAID. And you need your social security numbers in order to be able to do that. So I tease the kids all the time about memorizing your social security number. So moms and dads out there, make sure you find their card um, <laughs> when they hit senior year and that you make sure that they, they either memorize or they have it in a safe place so that you can retrieve that fairly easily. So the parent and the student needs to complete that FSA ID. And what that does is it links um, the parent's tax information to the student automatically on the form. So in the old days, when many of us completed the FAFSA, we had to bring in you know our huge files full of our taxes and documents. And we had to enter all that information either on a piece of paper or at first online. Um, now, with this retrieval system that we have with the IRS, because you put in your social security number, it automatically links your tax information to the student's FAFSA application. So typically, if you're doing it right, it should only take you about 35 minutes maybe to complete the FAFSA form. So the other thing that we want to remind families is that the student needs to apply for FAFSA every year that they are enrolled in, in college or even graduate school. But while they are an undergrad, they need to connect to their parents' tax information. So 
You know, I recognize that a lot of families are hesitant to share their information with their, their children. Number one, this is the time to have an adult conversation with your kids about the cost of college and your expectations of your student about their responsibility for financial aid, which is completing the forms on time and so forth. But then also about, you know, the fact that the federal government already knows your taxes, right? So it, it's not something that they're using any additional information and it's obviously not shared with other people. So it's important to recognize that this is safe. It's the same kind of process if you're setting up an Amazon account, right? You have a million secret questions and your password. That's what an FSA ID is to protect your information. The other thing we need to, to tell people is don't assume that you are not eligible for funding, right? Even though it's the federal application, that federal application is actually giving you access and opportunity to state dollars and to institutional dollars and in some cases local scholarship. So for instance in Lansing, if you are a Lansing school district student and you apply for the Lansing Promise Scholarship, you must complete the FAFSA form because the Lansing Promise Scholarship is a last dollar scholarship. And if you haven't completed the FAFSA, you can't access your Lansing Promise dollars. So it's really important that families know that you're probably eligible for something. You just need to make sure you fill out that form. Um, and it may be work study, and obviously we don't want to encourage a lot of students to take on a lot of debt, and, and that's a big conversation for another day. But um, we, we want to make sure that students know that they have access to a lot more resources to attend college if they complete that form. So we um, provide, as I mentioned, through our college advisors assistance. Um, so students can make an appointment with that college advisor. They can attend one of these workshops and you know, we'll work in groups or we'll work one-on-one um, -on -one privately with students and their parents to complete the FAFSA form. And then if you don't have a college advisor at your high school, um, you can always email us at collegequestions at catcan.org and submit your question or set up an appointment with one of our advisors and they will assist you with the FAFSA. And then the last resource for families is to contact the financial aid office at the institution that you plan to attend. So if you're gonna to go to Michigan State and you have questions about financial aid, those folks at MSU Financial Aid, they know everything and everything about um, you know, what uh, things that your students may be eligible for, what documentation they need to provide, and they're a great resource for, for your family. Thank you for that, Michelle. So while you were, you know, speaking about FAFSA and that process and things like that, it got me to thinking that, you know, we've talked about CAPCAN, of course, that's Capital Area um, mm -hmm. College Access Network. Is there a different organization? Like, let's say I live down in Metro Detroit area mm -hmm. and things like that. Is there, are there college access networks all over the state or? Sure, sure. Yeah, we, as I mentioned, are part of the Michigan College Access Network, a statewide organization. And there are um, nearly 30 local college access networks across the state. So there definitely are um, access networks in the Detroit area. If your uh, listeners are from like the Oakland County region, um, you know, they can access some of these supports and resources through their community or through their high school. In fact, we've really grown in this state 
um, the whole network of college advisors that are um, deployed in our schools to, to assist students to navigate the process. And that's something that MCAN has been um, you know, really dedicated to increasing funding for that and making sure that that's an opportunity for students who are first generation or uh, just need support through the process. Okay. So how do you support current college students as they continue their education and what tips do you have for those currently in school? Sure. So much of what we do for current college students is really centered around our partnerships with other organizations and the members of our, our board. So for example, we work very, very closely with LCC and MSU. We last, before COVID, I keep on saying last year, but it was way before COVID, um, <laughs> we hosted a community conversation about the needs of student parents. Um, a lot of people don't realize that about 10% of the student population in colleges and universities is made up of, of people who have children. And their needs are a little different than a traditional, you know, 18, 19 year old, although we do have some 18 and 19 year old student parents as well, but they need more wraparound support. So whether it's, it's um, food, right? They can access their food pantry through MSU or the local food bank, or if it's childcare, we can link them to the Great Start Collaborative here in the community to find affordable childcare for their kids and then get um, some financial support for that childcare while they're in school. So we really work hard to try and leverage all of those partnerships uh, at the community level on behalf of current college students because we want to make sure uh, that they are completing. Um, you know, the average time frame for students to complete a degree is typically around six years now, not the four years maybe that we all might think of traditionally. Some of that is because, you know, students have to work. The cost of college is much more expensive and students have to work and go to school at the same time. They may be supporting a family or they may be supporting their family back at home, right? Um, so it's important for us to make sure that we really wrap ourselves around those students and give them all the things that they need in order to be successful and to have, have life balance, because that's important too. You know, being a student may be your primary job, but there are a lot of other jobs when you're a student too. Thank you so much for sharing all that information. As I'm kind of thinking back of my experience preparing for college, I definitely did not know of all these resources. And I think that it would have been a very beneficial for me. It could have made an impact in the cost that my college actually added up to. So I'm really excited that we're able to have you here and try and get this out. And doing some research, we saw that one of the missions you have by the year of 2030 was to have 60% of the capital area residents obtaining a post-secondary degree, technical certification, or a valuable credential. I know you've talked a lot about resources. Do you have any other initiatives that you're working on to create to try and meet that goal? Yeah, we do. And, and I think I, I need to start by saying to the listeners, one of the reasons why this is so important is because 70% of the jobs in our region already require a post-secondary degree or credential. So you, you can't really graduate from high school and legitimately work, let's say, at GM for the rest of your life with just that uh, high school diploma. Um, you might be able to get in, but you're not going to continue to move along because it's a much more technical uh, job. 
And that would be true in, in all of our industries that are growing in this community, whether it's insurance, biotech, and uh, healthcare, of course. And we know we have shortages of, of all kinds of healthcare providers in this community. So it's just important for people to understand that they need that post-secondary degree or credential. So our organization has been focused on increasing equity for students. And over the years, we've gone from just focusing on that traditional you know, high school student to looking at the needs of the adults in the community. And we uh, initiated something because we looked at that six-year graduation data that I was talking about earlier. And we saw that over 60% of young adults either never start or never complete that post-secondary degree or credentials. So our goal is 60%, right? But if you have 60% of those adults not pursuing some type of degree or credential, then we've got a long ways to go. So in response to that, we implemented a program called the Pathway to Potential. And we are offering free college and career advising similar to what we do for the high school students with a college advisor, but we're providing that for our young adults. And we will sit with a, a young person from age 16 to 25, whether they've completed that high school diploma or not, talk with them about their goals for the future and help put together a plan, right? And then we will either link them to other services that they're eligible for in the community. So for example, many, many young people are eligible for resources through Capital Area Michigan Works. And we would refer them directly to Michigan Works for those services. But if they're not eligible for some of those things, then, then our coach will continue to work with that young person, helping them you know, get organized, figure out what their plan is, do some research, talk to some other folks, to help them and determine what their next steps are and and then follow up with them. We all need somebody to sort of be our accountability partner in this process, right? I, I know, you know, a lot of parents will be the one to nag their students when they're in high school to get things done. But when they're an adult, that's a very different situation. And so we want to make sure that we have someone who sort of understands their needs and understands the process and can help bring those things together for them. So Pathway to Pen Potential is something that you can contact us for your young adults to ask for, for our help and support. And then if you are an adult in the community, um, there are a lot of, of resources now, unfortunately because of COVID, but it's things that we needed to invest in in the state of Michigan for a long time to help adults go back to school. So we have the Futures for Frontliners Scholarship that was opened up last year at the end of 2020. Over 125,000 people applied to continue their education who had not previously uh, done that. And so if you've worked on the front lines, you're, you're able to access this scholarship. Um, we also have a, a fairly new Reconnect scholarship, which again would be available for adults who needed to complete that degree. So there are lots of money available right now. And, and it, this is the best time in years if you are thinking about going back to college to do that. So you can just look at the state of Michigan website, michigan.gov reconnect and find out information about these two different scholarships and, and certainly be connected with 
a navigator who can help you walk through that process as an adult. I really appreciate, Michelle, the fact that you all are really considering the entire demographic of who those college students are and including them in those conversations and providing them with those resources that they really truly need in order to be successful. And due to how much work you all are doing with uh, different partners within the community and providing those resources, how do you think the community's perspective or feelings toward post-secondary education have changed or evolved due to CAPCAN and its partnerships? Well, it is about those partnerships. As I mentioned, we couldn't do it without the dedicated focus, really, of that board of directors that we have and our partners across the community. We certainly have made investments uh, in things, and I think people have valued that. So, for example, right now we have 14 high schools that we partner with to have college advisors at those high schools. And over the past seven years since I've been here, we've already invested almost a half a million dollars in making sure that those advisors are placed every year in those high schools. That's, that's a, a, a very significant amount of money, and it's certainly a recognition of the importance of the process and why um, having a near peer talking to students and somebody that looks like them and somebody that's walked their shoes can share that insight and that motivation and really encourage those first-generation college students to think differently about their futures. So I, I think they, the community has valued that. They don't always know it's us, and that's okay with me. I'm, I'm actually very comfortable with that because it is something that we are working towards uh, creating that college-going culture across sort of all segments of our community. The other thing that's important is for us to talk to students and hear their own voices and experiences. And particularly with COVID, we wanted to touch base and find out what was happening because we make assumptions as adults about what's happening in students' lives. So we hosted a couple of focus groups and did a survey of some students and, and talked with them about what the barriers and challenges that they had. And even though it's been a rough economy for students to get jobs, most of them are working. Some of them are working two, three jobs. Some of them are helping support their families because their parents have lost jobs. They might be the taking the leftovers, so to speak, of the use of the devices and the internet at home because their K-12 siblings have to be in school legally, right? or their parent needs to use the device or the internet to do their job online. Obviously, now that we're going back more in person, there's a little less of that, hopefully. But what a lot of students don't know is that they can access devices and internet through their colleges and universities. And so it's important for us to, to communicate, be that translator for them about what resources are available. And I think that's probably the most important role of what we have brought to the community is, is being available to sort of understand their needs, share what we heard through those student voices to the leaders, to the stakeholders, to the investors, to the donors of the community, and encourage them to make those changes. Because, you know, we know that um, if we don't understand what lessons we've learned during this pandemic, what have we learned? And so I'm hopeful that um, these insights that the students have shared with us will help us design a better system 
and design more seamless handoffs between, let's say, K-12 and higher ed as they're making that transition to college. So I know we've already kind of talked about FAFSA um, earlier, but for our listeners who cannot see our podcast, Michelle has a great mask that has flamingos on it. And I do live in the capital area. And as I'm driving through the area, often I see flamingos and flamingo signs around the time that FAFSA is due. Can you tell us more about what those flamingos are all about? Sure. Well, we have uh, done a campaign called FAFSA Flock. This will be the third season of that. And we've used the FAFSA Flamingo as our mascot because FAFSA is not really fun, but we want to make people remember that the FAFSA can be uh, reasonably harmless and um, we certainly want to remind folks to, to meet their deadlines. So starting November 1st, we will um, begin to flock different high schools in the community with our flamingos and that will take place until the end of March, which is the deadline for the FAFSA application. And we have a new FAFSA challenge happening with some of our high schools challenging the high schools in Shiawassee County. So we wanna make sure that Ingham and Eaton counties, you know, rock our FAFSA rates this year and, uh, you know, have a little competition. We have a FAFSA flamingo costume that might make an appearance or two uh, at a basketball game or, in the lunchroom, I don't know. We haven't really figured all of that out yet, but we're really excited about it. And then there'll be a strong social media presence as well. And we appreciate MSU FCU's uh, continued financial support of our uh, program and help it make it possible for us to get information and these flamingos and, and other um, fun um, uh, trinkets, I guess, out to the students during FAFSA season. I love that. They are definitely hard to miss. So, Michelle, throughout the interview, I know you've mentioned just some some great things for parents to know, for students to know, for those that are serving both of those roles. So what are your top three tips for parents and students preparing for their post-secondary education experience? Sure. I think the most important thing is, is for you as a a young person to explore the things that interest you figure out what your why is because once you figure out what your why is then you kind of know what path you need to take for both your education and your career so uh, explore as much as possible and that you know might be going out and doing that college visit but it might also be going out and doing a job shadow you know if you're interested in being a nurse there are plenty of opportunities in the community through um, MSU and LCC and Davenport to shadow or go visit a classroom and, and check out um, those kinds of opportunities. I think the other thing that's important is find your match and fit of a college or university. We know that students that don't find the right match and fit don't feel like they belong on campus. So I always tell the story of my son now I'm going to get emotional. Anyways, going to visit uh, his college. And he said, I finally found my people, Mom. Uh-huh. That's the kind of response you want from your kids when you take them on a college visit. Absolutely. I found my people, mm-hmm. right? And then lastly, keep track of those deadlines. I know it's a little overwhelming. Um, and there are quite a few deadlines, especially senior year when 
you might have senioritis and all you want to do is just focus on, you know, prom and graduation and all those fun things, but you've got some deadlines. So November 1st for applications, March 1st for your FAFSA deadline. Um, and then decision day happens usually the first week in May. So you want to make sure that you get your paperwork in and that you ask for help and that you um, meet those deadlines. And all of those checklists and things are available on our website, on our social media, or on the college or university that you plan to attend. Thank you so much, Michelle. Um, I just want to give you any final moments to share any other thoughts or any information that you want to share with our listeners in the community. We have been so uh, fortunate in the community to work with MSUFCU and the Lansing School District, the City of Lansing, and Lansing Save and Lansing Promise to bring a, a coalition together called Bold Lansing. And we have worked to try and create that college-going mindset and culture for our students in the Lansing schools from kindergarten through graduation. And then, of course, into college and, and into adulthood. And we want to make sure that families know that there's no wrong door to get financial information in the community. Uh, and that all of us, um, at whatever age and stage your child is at, have uh, not only tips, checklists, but also support um, for your families to navigate that process. So uh, when Ms. Cece goes out in the schools and talks about, you know, you're saving for college, that's because we're being very intentional about, you know, planting that seed with both the, the student and their family about why post-secondary education is so important. And then we want to help the, the parents themselves access the financial education or the financial support through the Financial Empowerment Center or through your workshops here at MSU FCU to put together their family budget and start to save for those future goals um, that you have as a family. So I'm very proud to be part of Bold Lansing and, and know that we are working together at whatever age and stage that you're at to, to help support you in your financial goals. Thank you for that information. I just want to say that just sitting here and having this conversation and really talking about what we can do is, like myself, I'm a, a uncle of 20. And just what I can do to encourage my nieces and nephews to think about college, to consider that. And just makes me think about my own college experience because mm -hmm. like you said your son said that's how i felt i felt like i had really found my people like people that were okay with me being my authentic self and having that experience so just thank you for all the information that you shared you're welcome it's been my pleasure so thank you so much michelle for being here with us today and talking about the capital area college access network uh, we're really proud to be able to sponsor you and the work that you're doing and hope that our listeners will reach out should they have any questions. If they do, they can find us at capcan.org. Thank you. And now it's time for the CU Spotlight. At MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union, we are always looking for ways to educate individuals on the importance of smart money management. WalletWatch is one of the great ways that we're able to do that. But if you'd like to learn more, we have additional resources that you are able to utilize for free. 
Financial 4.0 is a free app and website that offers users access to their own personalized budget tracker, financial quizzes, published articles, weekly tips, and more. It's a fun and interactive way to learn about money and take control of your finances. If you're interested in learning more, visit financial40.org or find us in your app store by searching Financial 4.0 for MSU or Financial 4.0 for OU. Wallet Watch is written, hosted, and produced by Amanda Kahn, Devante Montgomery, and me, Lindsay Morgan. Our executive producers are Whitney Anderson Harrell and Lauren Kalarzik. Wallet Watch is brought to you by MSU Federal Credit Union and OU Credit Union. You can find more episodes of this podcast at our credit union's website, financial40.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in our next episode.